What's up, y'all? Welcome to Conversation Peace with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where we talk about the missing pieces of the conversations we're already having. Shout out to our returning listeners, and a high five and hello to everybody joining us for the very first time. The end of 2023 is upon us, and we are kicking off December with a solo episode. November was National Adoption Awareness Month, or International Adoptee Awareness Month, or International Adoption slash Adoptee Awareness Month, however you want to describe it. But just because that month is over does not mean we are done talking about adoptee-related things. Today, I'm going to be diving into three things to think about regarding the adoptee identity. These are things that I've been ruminating on for a while now, and particularly last month, and I want to keep that conversation going. First, Make sure you subscribe to Conversation Peace, the newsletter. This week, I wrote a little bit about my therapy journey. I dropped a new poem and some other stuff. First newsletter of the month is accessible to all subscribers, paid and free. And if you are a free subscriber, consider upgrading to paid to access even more exclusive stuff, including our companion podcast, Conversation Notes, which drops every Wednesday and dives into a topic that I talk about or discuss on our Monday episode that I didn't have as much time to get into on that episode, so I take a little bit more time to do so on our Wednesday Drops Conversation Notes exclusive for our paid subscribers. Shout out to y'all for supporting. I really appreciate it and am excited to continue doing these things for y'all. All right, let's get into it. Three things to think about regarding adoptee identity. So the first thing that I've been thinking a lot about and something that I've had to really consider for myself is that some people claim it and some people don't, specifically the adoptee identity. And so for me, I claim it and I describe myself as or I identify as an Asian American adoptee specifically. And I think for me, I found empowerment and I found other parts of myself and my identity that I didn't realize that I'd suppressed for a super long time when I started to claim adoptee as part of that identity. And so that decision, that choice to really start inhabiting and living into that specific identity meant a lot for me in my journey because I describe it as this. I describe adoptee as an identity that I claim. It's an active claiming of said identity. Instead of describing myself as having been adopted, which I feel like is a passive description of that part of my life, that part of myself, and is also not there. It, it, it's an action being done to me, if that makes sense. It. I don't just, I don't see it as something that I am doing. I see it as something that has happened to me, something that is continuing to happen to me as opposed to something I can take action on and to claim as part of myself. And I have to caveat by saying, and this is the whole first part of claiming it and not claiming it, is that this is my experience. This is my one individual experience and we have to recognize and name the multitude, the infinite multitude of experiences that exist within the adoptee diaspora. And so something that I've had to learn and something that I've gained insight on from those multiple experiences within the diaspora over the past year and change have been that some folks don't identify as an adoptee. And when I first heard about this experience, I was not resistant to it, 
However, I was, it, it took me a minute to come around to that idea. And what I have learned from these folks who are like, I describe or identify differently than just calling myself an adoptee is that their experience with adoption and having been adopted is so much more different than mine and is not always, but generally I feel like based on the conversations that I've had with other people rooted in some really traumatic experiences. And this trauma has led them to not want to or feel like they ever could identify as an adoptee because adoption has just been such a devastation upon their life and devastation. And what I mean by devastation is that it's something that is not conducive or productive to who they want to be as people and who they, and how they identify. And so some examples of other identifiers rather than adoptee have been traffic person or survival of the global adoption system. Those are two that I see come up super frequently. And even on top of that, some folks don't even use any language to describe or identify as having been adopted other than I was adopted, but I am Asian American, I am black, I am mixed race, or whatever the case might be. There are, they choose to lean into other identities. And I think that's absolutely valid. I think we, as people who identify as adoptees, have to also validate that. And we have to recognize that while we might claim this identity for ourselves, some people who fall within our diaspora don't claim it and don't consider themselves to be such they just have been adopted and that is totally okay that is an absolutely valid way to be a part of the community and we have to validate that because if we aren't validating it within the diaspora then folks outside of the diaspora are almost certainly not going to validate it we have trouble enough having our own identities as adoptees validated and if we are not supporting the folks within our community who don't hold this identity in the same way that we do, then we have to be the support system or we have to act in support of those adoptees and those people who identify as something other than adoptee who have been adopted. Because if we don't, then we cause a wedge or divide. We become that source of invalidation for folks outside of our community to latch onto and to point to and to scapegoat as like, see, this is, you should be doing this. You should be identifying this way. And I'm not going to validate your experience because there's a bunch of other people who have a different one. And that's a problem. Just because we have different experiences does not make one or the other more or less valid. They are all experiences. They are all things that we hold as individuals, and they make up the collective fabric of our community. And that is important to name and to validate and to recognize. And so that's the first thing I think that we really need to be considering that I have been specifically considering around identity as an adoptee or as an adopted person, as a trafficked person, as a survivor of the global adoption system, or as someone who doesn't even want to use any of that language and claim that part of their identity or that as a part of their identity, is that some folks claim it 
and some don't. And whether you do or you don't, or you're somewhere in between, it's all valid. It is all totally valid. All right. Number two of the things that we need to think about in regards to our adoptee identities or our identities as an adopted person is that adoption specifically in the act of adoption and the idea of our identities having been formed through adoption affect us at the individual level every single day. And so for me, I look at so throughout my life, there have been decisions that have been made and things that I have done like dropping out of college and jumping from job to job and just a general aimlessness that I found in my own life. Um, these things I just did and experienced and never thought about what might be at the root of those things. And so what I've learned, particularly through therapy um, and also just on this journey over the last three years is that while adoption is not the direct cause of me making those decisions to jump from job to job or to drop out of school or to feel that general aimlessness, while it is not the specific cause, adoption influences those decisions and choices that I've made in the past, both consciously and subconsciously. And the reason that it plays a role like this is because the experience I had with adoption led to a lack or suppression of my Asian identity, which was part of who I am. It led to not even be able to articulate what it means to be adopted or an adoptee and to claim that part of myself as an identity. It led to cultural, ethnic, racial isolation and separating myself from all of that. First off, inadvertently because I was adopted and then through the environment and experience that I had growing up, internalized the idea of whiteness and Asianness as being bad, whiteness good, Asianness bad, and then chose subconsciously to separate myself from that, from the bad, in order to maintain the person I thought I was supposed to be based on the experiences that I had. And that I was insecure in myself as opposed to having security in who I was because of all of these fractures and hidden parts and losses of identity, cultural connection, whatever it might be, security. Because of all of that, that plays a role in how and why and when and where I make choices and decisions. And for 30 years, I didn't realize that adoption is a root cause, but not the cause, a root cause that is influencing me to make a specific decision or choice and is always been at play. So like, for example, one of the reasons I dropped out of school was not even the general sense of aimlessness, but because I had in my mind that... I both knew what I wanted to do and also didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kept, I bounced around from a few, in a few different majors, ended up in creative writing, loved it for a minute, and then got to a point where I was just like, I feel like I know better than other people, than the people teaching me, than the, my, my peers that I'm learning with. 
and that this is a waste of my time and everyone else's time and I need to go. And so that feeling of needing to run away, needing to leave school to go do something else, to do something differently was rooted in this lack of identity because I felt like simultaneously I knew who I was and I didn't know who I was and that the only way I could really figure out who I was was by leaving the thing that I thought was holding me back, which was school. And while I don't think that college is for everyone and I don't think that everyone has to go to college to be able to find themselves, that I think that there are many different paths to take in order to go on that journey of finding yourself becoming secure in your identity. I do think that, and I know now after having gone through therapy particularly, is that adoption and that forced separation, not only from my first family, but from the culture and heritage, ethnicity and racial identities and communities that I experienced because of adoption has always sat at the root. And since we never, my family growing up, never had conversations about that, even knew how to have conversations about that, didn't have the language to discuss or articulate what it was that I was going through at that time, and to understand, oh, this might be why we're feeling a certain way. That all continued to influence and affect me every single day and every single choice that I made from school, the decision to drop out of school, from job to job to job, from trying to just understand this general aimlessness that I never could understand but tried to, but never, I always took the, maybe not the wrong path, but the one that led away from the understanding and moved me back towards maybe comfortability is the way I should describe it. I always chose the path of comfort because I thought that would if I was comfortable, if I understood my surroundings, if I was if I was just in the same spot that I always been in, what I always knew, that would solve the aimlessness. And that wasn't the case for me. And so that's the second thing that I really wanted to to sit with and think about not only last month, not only this past year, but since I've started this journey in 2020, is that adoption and my identity as an adoptee affects me every single day. And it's something that we don't talk about enough, which leads me to thing number three, point number three about things that we need to think about and consider when regarding the adoptee identity or the how of adoption and our experience with it affects the person who was adopted is that the identity of And the experience of the adoptee and the person who has been adopted is not validated within the general consciousness. And so the biggest example that I can give of this, and if you've been following me and listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk about this a few times, is that we live right now in a society that's actually trying to strip away diversity, equity, inclusion within schools, within corporations and companies in the workplace. But we live in a society where that has been a big part of it, especially over the last three years. But when you look at the list of identities and communities that we need to be mindful and consider and to think about in these spaces, you're not going to see adoptee or adoption on many of those lists. And now I wrote, I was doing a little bit of this prep work before I came across some posts 
um, from some people that really made me excited. But I will say that you are seeing it more. One of my friends, friend of the show, former guest, Liz Kleinrock, is at an educator conference right now, and they had a pretty large group, uh, affinity group for transracial adoptees. Awesome. I recently met up with some folks who are in the legal industry who are lawyers, and they had an annual conference here in Indianapolis, and I met up with them, and they are part of specifically the Asian adoptee affinity group space. Some of them even started it specifically uh, for that organization. Awesome. Love it. And so that kind of shades this a little bit differently, this third part. But while we're seeing these things pop up in industries, in the general consciousness, it's still not being validated and seen as that identity, as something that affects us every single day, as something that people can claim or even not claim because of the dominant narratives that have been placed over us that we have to navigate and that people in their own minds believe adoption to be. And so from a DEI perspective, from that example, like instead of feeling like we should be mindful of or validate the experience of adoptees or people who have been adopted. We give the other identities like ethnic identities or gender identities more importance or more weight. And like we just fold in adoptee is just like or being adopted is just something else that is like a sub identity or sub experience of that racial, ethnic, gender identity. And that is an issue because we may not ever find someone, even within our ethnic or racial group, that has that experience. And when we don't see that experience mirrored, it becomes really hard to want to share and express what we experience as adoptees and as adopted people because that that is going to get invalidated by people who don't carry that and by people who have only ever heard the happily ever after and that positive idea of what adoption is via the dominant narrative that we exist under. And so because of that, we then become managers of other people's feelings at the expense of our own. We can't share truly and truthfully what we are experiencing because people are going to feel like, well, you're coming at me for having, for knowing that adoption is this way. And just because your experience is different means that you aren't listening to me, the person who knows a friend who was adopted and they're just fine. And so we then, and I talked about this on last week's episode, we then become those managers of those people's feelings and we don't take care of ourselves because we're not being validated in the experience that we have. And so because our experience is different and it has affected us every single day and we claim it as such, we hide and we believe we start to believe and internalize that we are incorrect or wrong in some way because someone else who's not adopted, who just happens to know someone who is adopted, believes that they hold the correct answer to what it means to be adopted, which at the end of the day is just not the case. It's not. Because you don't hold that identity. 
they don't share that identity with us. And instead of being willing to listen and learn, they choose to invalidate, they choose to react and tell us that we are not going to validate your experience because it runs counter to the narrative that we have always believed in, that we've always been told about. And so that's that third thing, is that while we are seeing more and more groups start to create, adoptees who are operating in these spaces start to create groups for us to be seen and heard and validated in, we are still climbing out of the hole that's been dug over time for us to really make that space, those spaces, to really achieve what it is that we hope to achieve, which is change, which is validation, which is the understanding that adoption affects us every day at the individual and collective levels, and that there are infinite multitude of experiences within our community and our diaspora that people choose to claim, they choose not to, and they fall in between there. And so that's that third thing is that we need to figure out outside of our community how to start validating this identity within the wider consciousness. And that's going to take a really long time because mindset change takes a long time. It's intangible. It takes a long time. So we talked about the three things that some people claim this identity, some don't, and there are a multitude of experiences that at the end of the day, whether you claim it or not, adoption affects the individual and the collective community every single day. It's not just a one-off situation. It's every day that we are affected by this. And at the end of the day, one of the reasons that it's hard to find validation is because the general consciousness does not perceive this to be an identity because of those dominant narratives. Those are the three things that we've that I've been considering and thinking about. And I think we as just people in a society need to think about and consider regarding this identity, regarding adoption, regarding the adoptee experience. These are the, these are the three things, not the three things, but three things that I have been thinking about a lot. These are three things that we need to consider and think about. Now we come to the, what can we do? Like, what do we do to address these particular three things? And then all of the other things that come out of this. Like, how do we continue to have this conversation? What do we do in order to make the difference that we want to see or that we're talking about here? And so I have three things, three things in line with the three things that I think we need to be addressing and then all of the other things that come out of it. And so, I mean, they're pretty simple, to be honest. What can you do? What can we do? What can I do to start addressing these things? The first one is listen. You have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to listen not only to your friend, not only to your sibling, not only to the child that you adopted into your home. You have to be willing to listen to a number of different experiences. That's the first thing. You have to be willing to listen and seek those out on your own. You can ask questions. You can ask who there is. But we also live in the age of social media, of Google, where you can type in the word adoptee and people will come up. Articles will come up. And then you go from that point and you dive a little bit deeper, which leads to number two, which is when you're listening, you have to be willing to listen to folks who challenge the perception that you have of adoption and the adoption experience and what you believe it means to be adopted. You have to be willing to listen and to challenge the preconceived notions that have been instilled in you, in us, 
through the dominant narrative of adoption. You have to be willing to listen, challenge those perceptions, and sit in that discomfort. If you can sit in that discomfort of, oh, this is not what I've known or believed adoption to be for my life, for my entire life, if you're willing to sit and listen because you don't hold that identity and you're listening to people who do, who have different experiences than what you have known, then you are going to be able to start to grow your understanding of what that means. Change and challenge that perception of what you have always held and be willing to grow and learn something different through these other people's experiences. That is what you have to, you have to listen and then you have to start challenging those commonly held perceptions that you've always had about what it means to be adopted, about adoption itself. And which leads to the third thing, which I've already kind of briefly mentioned, is that you have to be willing to then ask questions out of, you have to be willing to ask questions out of curiosity and not entitlement. End of the day, none of us of any community or identity or background are entitled to anybody else's story or elaboration or explanation of who they are. We are not entitled to that. We can be curious about it. And if they are willing to share, amazing. That is great. This is a chance to learn and ask the questions that you want to ask that challenge your perception and prompt you to listen. This is the opportunity. However, if they are not willing to share that, then that's not the point that we're at. And we have to continue to do our own work, our own research, dive into the books, the texts, whatever it might be, the podcasts. And listen there and then find other people who we might be able to have these conversations with. But understand that asking questions needs to come from a place of curiosity and not entitlement. And so when we think about what can we do to address the idea that there are a multitude of experiences, that adoption and the adoptee experience affects the individual and the collective community every single day, and that historically we have not validated this experience or identity in the general consciousness because of the dominant narrative of adoption, we can listen, we can challenge our own perceptions of what adoption is and what it means to be adopted, and we can ask questions out of curiosity and not entitlement. Those are the three things that I've been thinking about and considering in regards to the adoptee identity and what it means to be adopted, and these are the three things that we can do to start addressing some of those things that come out of this consideration, out of this conversation, out of this new thought process. Listen, challenge your own perceptions, and ask questions out of curiosity, not entitlement. Oh, so that's it. That's, that's what I wanted to talk about today. That's what I wanted to get into. And on the, in the newsletter, I'm diving into some different things, um, but I'm also going to be talking about some different things that I've learned over this past year, That some of which are related to this conversation, some of which are not. But at the end of the day, just because November is over doesn't mean this conversation is over. This is something that we need to continue to talk about. And it, it intersects with all of our different identities, our ethnic and racial identities, our gender identities, whether we are disabled or have a disability or a neurodivergence or whatever it might be. This all intersects. And so we need to continue to have this conversation in support of, to bolster in addition to all of the other conversations that we're having. Super important. And so I'm doing a little bit of that on the newsletter, in the newsletter, on, in, both. So make sure you subscribe. Um, 
That way you can keep up and join the conversation over there. And I appreciate you being here for this. As we wrap up the episode, I want to talk a little bit about what you can expect here in December. And I am really excited because as we approach 2024, if you don't already know, I'm getting ready to have, I'm not, my wife is getting ready to give birth to our first child beginning of February. Don't know exactly when that's going to be. Uh, we have expected due date of February 1st. You never know with these things. So that could change. So as we move towards January, I'm making a pivot to do a lot more in-person stuff here in Indianapolis, being a lot more Indiana and Indianapolis focused. And then that is going to spring out of whatever happens as we enter into parenthood. So December really excited about because it's going to be kind of this not last hurrah, but this kind of like pre break situation stuff will happen in January. I'm not sure yet, but just keep posted. That's why you need to subscribe to the newsletter. Consider subscribing so that way you can stay up to date with all of the things that we have going on here at the show. Anyways, for December, my first guest is author Brittany Means. She wrote and published my favorite book of this past year, which if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you saw me talk a little bit about Hell If We Don't Change Our Ways. And it's a memoir about her experience growing up as a mixed race Latina in rural Indiana and about her relationship with her mom and other folks within that community. And it is just fantastic. I'm super excited to have Brittany on the show to chat a little bit about the book, chat a little bit more about some different things. I'm not going to spoil it here, but really, really excited for that conversation. That will be next week. The following week, I have a mystery guest. Not going to tell you who yet. Maybe it's because I don't know. I don't know. But I'm really excited about that one, too. Hopefully, we can lock in scheduling to make that happen. But that is something I'm really excited about. And then last but not least, as we close out December, I'm going to do a year-end wrap-up episode with another special guest. And I am super excited about getting that one on the books. That is going to be about some of your favorite listener um, listener voted upon favorite episodes of this year of this show, particularly from April on, but anything that we even had before then, we are going to be talking a little bit about that, talking a little bit about what this show has been in the first year of its life and what 2023 brought and what we hope to see from 2024. Super excited for that conversation. Super excited for that episode too, um, to do a little bit of that wrap up, you know, wrapping up 2023 in a really nice way. Other than that, this has been the episode for December 4th. Really appreciate y'all being here. Really appreciate your support. Close it out with if you, wherever you're listening to this at, or if you're watching it on YouTube, if you don't mind, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps drive listeners to the show. It shows why you've loved the show and why they might like it too. So if you have a second to leave some stars, to leave some words about the show. We really appreciate that. If you want to catch up on any of the episodes, you know, you can get it on YouTube. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. You can also go to our website, conversationpeacepod.com, have all the episodes there. You can also leave reviews in that space as well. Cannot stress enough to consider subscribing to the newsletter, Conversation Peace, the newsletter. Have lots of really cool stuff over there, happening over there. Oh, I will say, as we move into next year, that will continue to come out weekly. We just might not have new episodes of the show, but I will have new stuff in the newsletter every Monday. 
And then last but last not least, you can always follow us on Instagram at Conversation Pod Piece, or you can follow me directly at Patrick in the World. That's another place you're going to be able to find a bunch of stuff. Not as much as you get in the newsletter, but you're going to see some, some cool things happening over there as well. And that's it. So until next week when I am back with Brittany Means, I have been Patrick Armstrong, and this has been Conversation Peace. Have a good one.